Welcome to the podcast of Rainbow Family Christian Center with Pastors Horace and Patricia Drumming. We would like to thank you for joining us today, and we pray that you are impacted, inspired, and encouraged by the Word of God. Let's check out today's message. It is so important for us to ensure that we're giving our praise to Him, that we recognize where all of the glory should be ascribed, that we steal none of His glory, and others steal none of His glory. Who deserves the glory? He does. Why did you get up this morning? Because He blessed you. Why are you breathing and living this morning? Because He saw fit that you should see another day. We have said this, or perhaps I've said this often, there are people, if they could, they would trade places with you. There are people who got tagged on their toe last night and pushed into a freezer. And they would gladly trade places with you and say, I will praise him. I'm not going to let a rock cry out in my place. I'm not going to let just the trees of the field clap their hand. While I yet live, I will praise him. You and I remember there was a man uh, who was not very compassionate toward other human beings. The Bible says the dogs were more compassionate toward a man named Lazarus. They would even lick the sores upon this man's body that was severely in pain. But this man would not even give the crumbs that he had on his table or falling from his table to this man who was beggarly. And you know what happened. The Bible says they both transitioned. And one woke up and his eyes were in hell. The other he could see was in the arms or in the bosom of Abraham. But we always say it was too late for the man who woke up in his eyes and realized that he was in hell because he even asked the question, can I go back and tell my brothers? Folks, do you understand it's too late to start evangelism ministry at that point? But while we still have a chance, this is what God wants us to know, we should be telling this wonderful story. How many of you know it's a great, great story that we have to tell? And the Bible says it's one of those stories that will give light to the whole city. And don't put this kind of, uh, uh, of knowledge that we have under a bushel. Make sure you express it. Make sure that you impress upon others how great, how great is our God. Don't you serve a great God? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, I would encourage you to give your neighbor a virtual high five and uh, go ahead and take your seat if you can. <laughs> Hallelujah. So glad to have each of you in the house this morning. So glad to have you joining us uh, uh, by the airways and uh, several other um, platforms that we're using to just get the word out. And we are thanking God for every witty invention, every creative idea that he's given the body of Christ so that we can continue to preach and teach the gospel of Jesus Christ. God raised this church up. We are called Rainbow Family Christian Center. And oftentimes people will say, what a name. Why, why such a name for a church? And... We just believe clearly that God created a rainbow of humanity. 
They are red, they are yellow, they are black, they are white. We come from different ethnicities, different cultures, different backgrounds. But what is God wanting to do? Bring his people together. One thing that we have learned and have been saying for a number of decades now is that streams of ministries must come together. How many of you realize that we couldn't get through what we are going through without the church coming together? And that's what God is intending. We cannot wait until we get to heaven to all get together. You know, uh, there are songs back in the day, in my day, they would say, when we all get to heaven, what a day of rejoicing that's going to be. should be a day of rejoicing right now. And we should all be what? Getting together. All of God's people getting into a place where the Bible calls unity. Getting in a place where there is no isms, no schisms, no separations among us. There's no competitions among us. And so it's no denominations. It's all people that are focused on Jesus and often would reference the late Frederick Casey Price when he would always give this illustration. And he said, if you got to heaven, let's just imagine heaven uh, being kind of squared off if I can put you in a room of such. And he says, and if God said to you, I want all of the black people to get into that corner. And I want all of the whites to get into that corner. I want everybody that's of Asian descent, you get in that corner. I want everyone that's of Latin descent, you get in that corner. But I want all who are Christians to just come right here in the center. Which one would you get in? And see, and God says, I want my kingdom to come now. Let the kingdom come. Let God's kingdom come. Let his will be done where? Here on this earth just like it is in heaven. And so if you can imagine heaven like that, you've got to be able to imagine earth like that. And you've got to be, imagine, be able to see yourself in church like that. Amen? All of us have this tendency to want to gravitate to what is familiar. And God sometimes is taking you out of what is familiar so that you might become acquainted with his will and his way. How many of you know God's thoughts are higher than our thoughts? His ways are higher than our ways. And it doesn't mean that you can't have God's thoughts. But you have to realize that you're starting from the position where you're going to have to step it up. You may have to step out of your comfort zone. You may have to shift from the paradigm that you may be stuck in. So that you can get to the place that God is trying to carry you this morning. Amen? Glory to God. So this morning I want to preach a message entitled uh, Faith. Finding the faith to believe the impossible. Finding the faith to believe the impossible. Because in the natural there are things that looks like they're impossible to do. You know, there were a, a number of as it were, races that are taking place now in the NBA and sport. Uh, people are racing toward who is going to be the NBA champ. Uh, baseball is in its early phase, but they're racing to who's going to be able to play for the independent uh, uh, championship game. And in, in, in the sports world, even Japan is still preparing to have the Olympics there. And there is a sport called a triathlon. Anybody ever heard of a triathlon? It, it's a, a it's three things that you have to do, and 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 literally, uh, it, its nickname is Iron Man contest. 
And when you look up what's required to participate in a triathlon, you go, this is insanity. Because in a triathlon, you swim 2.3 miles. You get out of the water, cold and chilly, get onto a bicycle and bike 26.5 miles. And then you get off of the bike your legs in this kind of crooked and, <laughs> and twisted way, and you run now for another 26 miles. And when you get to the finish line, <laughs> I'm sure you, you would imagine that people feel exhausted. You put your body through something grueling. But oftentimes, many of the people that are participating in this type of event talk about hitting a wall. Anybody ever heard that expression? I, I, I felt like I hit a wall. And what they're trying to say, I felt like I got to a place where I couldn't go anymore. My body wasn't going to go. And sometimes I believe in Christian, we feel like uh, doing prayer, doing praise, doing service, that we are in a triathlon. And, and you look at me sometimes and you say, Pastor, I, I, I just believe I, I, I've hit a wall. I can't pray no more. I, 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 I can't sing no more. I, I'm not willing to serve anymore. And you know, God is trying to show us, but if you'll press, if you'll press, walls will come down. Somebody shout, walls will come down. Somebody's got a wall this morning. You've hit a wall, and God is trying to help you to understand this wall is going to come down. That's, somebody say, shout unto the Lord with a voice of triumph. Sometimes that's all it will require is you to shout unto God with a voice of triumph. But you, in the midst of getting there, there are some things that we're going to learn. And so I would encourage you to open your Bibles to the book of Joshua. And perhaps, perhaps we'll start here. Joshua chapter 5. I know you've got Joshua chapter 6 back there. We'll find Joshua chapter 5. And let's go to the 13th verse. And that'll bring us to the conclusion of that 5th chapter of the book of Joshua. And then it'll jettison us over into Joshua 6. Where we will see that walls do come down. But see, Joshua chapter 5. I, 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 I don't feel I can leave it out. Because there's a time of preparation. So that you can get there to that point of making a declaration. And see, I don't know if I'll, we'll, we'll try to read it, but if she can find it, that'll be great. Thank you. Verse 13, if you'll go down in, in chapter 5, Elizabeth, you're at the first verse. Go to the verse 13 is where I'd like to pick that up. And I'll, I'll just start to expound on it. In verse 13, what you're going to find is this. It's come to pass that Moses has, is deceased. The children of Israel have been out here in this desert wilderness environment for over 40 years now. Joshua is the new ordained leader to take all of the children over into the promised land. I mean, you know, God has made you some promises too. This is why he wants to remind us at these points in our lives when we feel like we've hit a wall, God's promises are still true. God is not slack concerning his promises. 
But he needs us to be consistent. And sometimes you have to become a part of the community, though you sometimes have been just around the community. And so what's happened here, and I'll read here, and it came to pass that when Joshua was by Jericho, that he lifted his eyes and he looked, and behold, a man stood opposite him with his sword drawn in his hand, and Joshua went to him and said to him, Are you for us? Or are you our or, or are you for our adversaries? So he said, No. But as commander of the army of the Lord, I have now come. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and worship and said to him, What does What does my Lord say to his servant? Folks, when you feel like you have hit a wall and you don't know whether it's, it's somebody coming against you or somebody for you, and I, I love the way the angel responded back to it. He said, literally, if you read it from the NIV translation, it says, I'm, I'm for neither. See, sometimes we just think that God is just for us. How many John know John 3.16? Yeah, I'm listening at people who are praying for the peace of Jerusalem and God loves Israel. But how many of you know God loves the Palestinian? How many of you know that God loves people in America? And how many of you know that God loves people in Afghanistan? In Palestine. And, and we can name any country and every country and realize that God loves us all. And so he's telling Joshua, I'm really here for people who are going to obey me. Everybody say, obey God. Obey God. The Bible tells us obedience is better than sacrifice. And the children of Israel have sacrificed a lot. Now, if you would go back to the earlier parts of, uh, of, of chapter 5, you'll realize that after 40 years, they've forgotten some of the things that they should be doing. None of their children are circumcised. None of their children have, have really been taught of the things of God. And this has always been my heart as a pastor after we've been in this COVID period, is that, Father, don't let people slip. Because I don't have to get up. I'm not, I'm not so inclined to get up and go to church anymore. I'm not even so inclined to even turn on my computer or my television and catch the broadcast. My children are not getting up anymore. Matter of fact, children are just sleeping. Where in times past, we would get our whole house. We would be Joshua's. We would say, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. And we would get up. We'd get them dressed. And look, I, I always tell people, <laughs> I honor the saints of old, and, and it's specifically I'm talking about my mother right now. Because I think about the fact of, I grew up in a large family, for those of you that didn't know this. I have seven beautiful sisters. I grew up in a household with two great brothers, one who has transitioned to be with the Lord now. But can you imagine a house getting that many children ready to go to church every Sunday morning? Do you understand how much hair was being done on Sunday morning? 
combing. Ouch. Ooh. Dresses. Us boys in our little suits and bow ties and sometimes a necktie if we were really good. I want you to imagine a car now. Ten children now. A mama and a daddy. And sometimes a neighbor. So, folks, I'm saying to you, my father made two trips. But as for he and his house, we were going to serve the Lord. But I think he was grateful that when some of us got older, and they could have two cars. But it wasn't an optional thing. It was a much needed thing. How many of you know you need God? And we need him every hour. A songwriter wrote a song like that. We need thee. Oh, how we need thee every hour. I need you. And folks, we can bring it down into nanoseconds. There is not a moment in our day that we won't need God. Those 1,420 minutes that you get each day, you need God every second of that endowment that God gives you. And so, 40 years, children of Israel out there wandering in the wilderness and Nobody's really obeying God. We could go back to the book of Exodus and you could see all of the, the factual information that the Bible gives us about how they became angry, how they uh, uh, were looking. You know, they even got angry with Moses. Like, what you bring us out here for? They hit a wall. How many of you remember when they got to the Red Sea? They hit a wall. But what did God do? Does God come through? Anybody know that God will come through? God will make a way out of no way. God will do something today. If you even feel like, I'm at a wall in my life, Pastor. My God is well able to perfect what concerns you. My God is well able to provide whatever that need is in your life. And so you realize that at that point, Joshua is now required. Joshua, they need to know that they're a part of something bigger than themselves. How many of you know you're a part of something bigger than yourself right now? Some people say, I don't need church. I've even heard people say, I don't think I'll ever go back to church. But you are part of something bigger than yourself. And so they circumcised all of the children that had not over that 40 years. The Bible says all of the army had died out. Matter of fact, go back. You, you all looking at me like, I, I don't have a clue what you're talking about right now, Pastor. Go back to verse number one, Elizabeth, if you could. Let's, let's just go to the Bible. It may find, sound like a triathlon to you today, the way I'm preaching. But you need to see this. He says, so it was when all the kings of the Amorites who were on the west side of the Jordan and all of the kings of the Canaanites who were on by the sea heard that the Lord had dried up the waters of the Jordan before the children of Israel until he had, they had crossed over. And you remember, they faced another body of water, a raging Jordan River, and God opened that up just like he did the Red Sea, and they all crossed over. And so, how many of you know when God has done something for you, the news will get out? Whether you tell it or somebody else tell it, it is better that you tell it. 
Because nobody can tell your story like you can tell your story. And you ought to tell your story or your encounter that you've had with God. But this encounter that they've had with God had gotten around and said all of the other uh, uh, people who heard about it, like, the Bible said their hearts melted. And there was no spirit in them any longer because of the children of Israel. In other words, uh, we don't want to mess with y'all. How many of you realize that there are people who's, you know, back in the boxing day, I think it was uh, Roberto Durant and uh, uh, Sugar Ray Leonard, and, and, and he said, no moss. <laughs> after, after he got beat a couple of times, he said, no moss, no moss. I don't want any more. <laughs> and, and this is what the children of Israel are saying, no more. I mean, really, their, their enemies are saying no more because their God is great. Somebody say, my God is great. great. Say it again, my God is great. And there's nobody greater than him. That's why he deserves the glory. That's why he deserves the honor. That's why he deserves your praise. Let's go on a little bit further now. It says, and at that time the Lord said to Joshua, make flint knives for yourselves and circumcise the sons of Israel again the second time. Folks, do you realize that the, the first sons are dead? And there's another, another generation, and God says, these are going to be my sons. These people who walked around in the wilderness did not get to cross over into the promised land. Tell your neighbor, please don't be a hardhead. God has promised that there's a place for you, that there's mansions for you, that there is prosperity for you, there's good health for you, there's long life for you. And he's saying, please don't be a hardhead, though. It's important in your preparation that you know that the preparation is for you to follow God. How many of you know that a lot of things that happen in church is simply for the sake of your remembrance? Anybody ever take communion? Did you not know that God says, you do this so that you might what? Remember. And if you don't ever really focus in, you won't remember a thing. You will just say, how long is it going to take for him to let me drink this little cup? How long is it going to take for him to let me eat this little flat piece of bread? But when you remember, you remember that little flat piece of bread represents a God that took care of people who... Didn't have time to do anything but get out and move with God. And they had no time for the bread to rise. Unleavened. There are some times where God will want you to move. You may think, I need to do this, I need to do that, and I need to do this. And God says, no, you just need to obey. You just need to step out when I tell you to move. Move. When I tell you to stop, stop. Whatever God is saying to do, just do it. Didn't Mary say that somehow? First miracle. How many of you need a miracle in your life today? So whatever he says to do, just do it. But let me tell you this. This is why I say to people, every now and then I get, I, I, I kind of get a sense that people think that they're irreplaceable. And they'll, they'll try to hold you hostage. I always tell my wife, don't let anybody hold you hostage. I, I'll quit. We'll quit. Say, Pastor, being a little harsh. No, I'm not. I'm being real. God, God always has a ram in the bush. 
God's been doing God before you were ever thought of. God was before you were ever. And because God is not wanting you to do anything that he gives you the ability to do, to try to use it as some kind of leverage so that you, I'm in charge. No, you are never in charge. God is. I was never in charge. God is. Somebody say God is. God is the joy and the strength of your life. God is. This is why I, I love it when God's dealing with Moses. You know when Moses was at the burning bush? Moses said, I might have a problem. God said, you, you just might. And so he said, who shall I say sent me? You remember God's reply? Tell him I am. I'd just like to draw a blank line right behind that. I am. Come on, what do you need God in your life to be? I am your healer. I am your provider. I am the way maker. I am. And whatever you need at the bottom of that line, God is. Somebody shout, God is. God is. So God has never been short of having something and someone. See, God has the plan. He's just looked for a woman or a man to execute his plan. Somebody say, not my will. Say it again, not my will. See, if you're going to have faith for the impossible, it can never be about your will. It can never be about your gifting or, or your talent. You have no gift without it being delegated to you. You have no talent without God blessing you like that. Somebody say, but I'm blessed like that. You're blessed like that so that you can be a blessing, though. You remember Abraham? Abraham He's leaving. This is Genesis chapter 12 now. And Genesis, you remember Abraham? He said, Abraham, I need you to leave your, your relatives. Yeah. Some of y'all don't know how to leave your relatives, though. And your relatives keep you in a lot of trouble. Anybody remember his relatives that he never really could shed himself up? His name was Lot. And everybody, anybody read that story of Abram and Lot? He got him into a lot of trouble, didn't he? And there's sometimes where you just got to get to the place where you just trust God. I trust God, I trust God, I trust God, I trust God. I trust God, I trust God, I trust God. Because there, there are times where we will put family before God. God has a high priority on family, no, no question. But that priority is not greater than your relationship with God. It's up there. We might even say it's second. But when it gets out of order and you start to put family even ahead of God, I said, you're missing it. You're missing it. And some people don't realize, why, is I, why am I having delays in my life? Why am I at a wall in my life? Because you won't do at all what God called you to do. Why is this obstacle popping up? The obstacle is popping up. This wall is popping up because you won't follow hard after God. And so he's helping Joshua at this point. He says, Joshua, uh, uh, we still have an obstacle out there. It's called the Jericho Wall, if you, you all know this, and Joshua say It's called a wall, but we're going to get through that wall too. Somebody say, nothing do hard for God. And when you think about Joshua's wall, if I can give you a little clue, folks, this is huge. On the outer perimeter, that wall, 
is wide enough for six chariots to run around. That's pretty thick. Come on, think about it. There's a chariot here. Just imagine a chariot and a horse. One. Let's imagine another chariot and a horse. Two. Let's imagine another chariot and a horse. That's three. I'm only halfway there. And, 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 and if you can understand the thickness of that wall, they were intended for it. Nobody was going to get past that. Somebody again say, nothing too hard for God. Folks, they would have what we, we would call a, a, a dot wall behind that wall. Anybody ever traveled to Israel and you went to what is often referred as the Wailing Wall, you, re you remember that Herod built that outer wall, but the true wall of the temple is behind that wall. So there's a wall behind the wall, and the wall behind the wall at Jericho is 27 feet high. 13? 27. It looks impenetrable. It looks impossible. Tell your neighbor, we're talking about faith for the impossible this morning. Because what looks too hard in my sight, what looks too hard in your sight, God says not hard at all. Nothing is too hard for God. Nothing is impossible with God if you can only believe. God wants you to have that kind of faith. Where And where does that faith come? Faith comes by what? Hearing. And hearing what? The word of God. Not hearing the gossip of the neighbor. Not hearing the fear of other people that are fearful around you. Not hearing all of the clamor of the world. But hearing the voice. The Bible says, my sheep will know what? My voice. And the voice of a stranger, they will follow it. You've got to learn how to follow after God and to follow hard after God. Early in the morning, rise and seek God. I don't know if you were really following me when I said to you, after Easter, God wants you to spend the next 40 days in purity. I don't know if you know Friday was your 40th day. The next 10 days represents which next Sunday will be Pentecost. I don't know if you understand that to get to Pentecost, God said, I need some people that will go up to a place and just pray. A lot of you don't like prayer. Every church, if you report from every church and you say, what's the most under-attended time in the service? It's prayer. Yet we know that the scripture tells us it is through the effectual, fervent prayer of the righteous that people are able to avail much. But we don't like prayer much. You know, that's my dinner time, Pastor. Really? You know, I, I'm stuck in traffic. And then God said, well, I'm going to take traffic out of the equation. You just call in while you're stuck in traffic. And just pray. A man ought to what? You know that? If you know that, obey that. If that's real to you, then be real about it. I don't want to sound Trumpish here, but there's a lot of fake Christians. There's a lot of fake Christians. 
There's a lot of people, you know, the Bible in Matthew 6, he talked about, you know, there was the Pharisees and the Sadducees. They would put on their phylacteries. They would put on all these beautiful garments, sparkling, all the various uh, uh, precious stones that would be in there. And these stones represented the 12 tribes of Israel. But he said, you ain't really representing. What you're doing, you're just being seen. And God is tired of this foolishness of just being seen. God is tired of this foolishness of just dressing the part and acting the part. God's looking for the real. God's looking for the genuine. God's looking for the authentic. God's looking for somebody that will pray. Do you realize that there was a man who prayed and he said, let the rain stop, God. What happened? The rain stopped for a period of time. And then the man prayed again and the rain do you realize that God is saying if I really had people who understood and really believed they could say to COVID-19 stop but see next Sunday will take us back to Acts 2.42 next Sunday will take us back to the start of the early church the New Testament church it's called Pentecost (laughs) I don't ordinarily do this but I'm going to do this because I hear the Spirit of God saying, next week, I want you to dress in white like the bride of Christ. I'm going to find me something white too. Just dress in white and be the bride of Christ. That's what he's coming back for, his bride. He's coming back for people without spot, without blemish. So if you got something white in your wardrobe, just symbolically speaking here, folks, I'm not saying that to, that's going to make you holy. But I'm just simply saying, symbolically represent the bride of Christ next week. So if you come here, even if you're there, I love there's a lady out in Tulsa, Oklahoma. She's making, uh, what do they call that when you get so many views on there? She's going viral. And she, she, she's at home watching the service, but she dresses up. I mean, hats on, jewelry on, earrings on, the outfits that are just snap, snap, snap. Because she said, I'm not doing this as unto man. I'm doing this as unto God. This is why I always say to you, I would give my best to God. I would dress my best for God. And look, how many of you, if I truly gave you an invitation, and I can't do it, but if I could, and I gave you an invitation to go down to the White House, let's just say you're going to meet Kamala Harris. How would you dress? Would you have your britches all down below your butt? I don't want to get over on there so I'll just get in my flesh would you go all kind of ragtag God accepts me just as I am he does but when he blesses you with something bless him with what he's blessed you with give him your best you know what the best look we have found psychologically that when children dress up they behave differently People respond to them differently. How do you know this, Pastor? Because I've done it. I've hosted summer camps here where day and morning to evening, I've just poured into children's lives. And at the end of those summer camps, as we would call them, I would want to take them out to what I would refer to as a five-star restaurant. 
And I'll spend time teaching them because, you know, you have all these knives and forks and stuff there, and you go, what am I going to do with that? And I don't want ever our children because they say, you're going to be in places like this because God wants to promote you. God wants to prosper you. God wants you to be in king's palaces, and you shouldn't be looking like, what is this for? And so we would do, as you might call the etiquette training, we would get the menu so that they would already know what's on the menu so that they don't feel intimidated. And so it came a time where we were going to go, and, and this particular restaurant, you could debate whether it's five-star or not, but it, it, it's called Old Ebbets Grill. It's a part, directly across from the Treasury Department in Washington, D.C. on 16th Street, I believe it is. And so I was taking them there, and it's, you know, ivory floors, and it's a really nice restaurant. Got a nice atrium. And I had 26 children with me that day. I made sure I rented them a limousine bus. I mean, and fully stocked. And all that alcohol stuff, you know, stocked with some sodas and some candy and the thing. And, and they were just enjoying it. But here's the thing. Every young man needed to have at least a shirt and a tie. They may not own a suit. And if they didn't have a tie, Coles is right up the street. I'd run up there and buy one. But you're going to have a shirt and a tie on today. Young ladies, I want you in a dress or a skirt. Folks, we, we go down and we get into the restaurant. I'm not too far off of where we're talking about with the wall. I just want you to know walls can come down. Even some preoccupations that people have about you can come down, but you have to know what God wants from you, and if you prepare the way God wants you to prepare, he will open that door for you. So we go in. The, the, the server that we get is not so nice. I picked that right up. And I can see his expression was saying, oh no, not another group of kids. But all these kids were just, I mean, they were on point. Folks, I, I had worked with the young boys that when the young lady get up, you get up and you pull her chair out. When she comes back from the restroom, you get up and pull her chair out again and wait till she sits and scoots her chair up for her. Folks, there ain't nothing wrong with that. Too much of that is lost. And this is what was happening here with Joshua. God said, over the 40 years, these kids have lost something. And they need to be circumcised. They need to be brought back into the fold. They need to know that they are part of a community. And so here's what would happen. As he come, they would address him and they would, they would say, yes, sir, and no, sir. And I know y'all don't like that. Y'all think it's slavery stuff. I mean, the other day, I, I was shocked by a child calling their, first, their parents by their first name. and say, oh, what's wrong with this picture here? But the children were so mannerable, their behavior was so great that it changed the countenance of the server. And the server was like, wow. There was a couple, an older couple that was sitting afar off, a few tables from us, and they were watching the interaction of these children in this group and, and looking at their behavior and their activity at that table. And the couple walks up to me. Remember, I got how many children? 26, and I got probably about five chaperones with me, including self. And they said to us, your bill is paid, whatever it is. 
I don't know these people from Adam. But they see the behavior. And this is not the first time this has happened. In fact, our summer camps would, would actually have this happen, I think, three years in a row. And at different locations. Different people being moved by the Spirit of God. But because of understanding you are part of something bigger than yourself. Somebody say, I belong, him. I belong to him. Come on, anybody. You know what I'm talking about this morning? I, you belong to him. You are a king's kid. You belong to the king of kings. You belong, belong to the Lord of lords. And God says about you, he says, you are an ambassador for me. Can you imagine how we would send our ambassador to whatever nation that might be? What do you think that ambassador will look like, represent? You are an ambassador for Christ. Don't just try to fake this, be this. Represent Christ in everything, in your language, in your conversation, in your action. The Bible says, how shall men know that you are a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ? Because you have such a love. Even though that server wasn't as nice as I would wanted him to be, he changed. His countenance changed. His attitude changed. And here's the thing. We're getting ready to leave. The bill is paid. The gratuity is taken care of. You know they didn't put the gratuity in there already. The bill is paid. The gratuity is taken care of. And we are going back out to our limousine bus. And we are, you know, the bus pulls up. I call the driver. The driver comes out of wherever he had been parking. And he pulls right up in front door. The kids are going out. And here comes the server. Here's comes the server. The restaurant server comes out, big old shopping bags in his hand, along with six other servers because he wants to give our kids free desserts. He says, I've never seen such a group of nice kids. He says, I just want you to know, I had just had a group of kids in front of them, and they were horrible. <laughs> he said, they were horrible. And, and so he was taking it out on what he had happened to him earlier on our kids, but they didn't react to it because they were representing the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And sometimes you have to help your children to know what community they are in. Joshua, go back to that scripture, baby. Joshua has to now help his children understand you're part of the community of God. You need to be circumcised. Circumcision to us today simply meaning there's got to be a cutting away that's, that's all I, I know you said circumcision is, is, is a man thing but it's not about a man thing it's about the cutting away you're cutting away from sin you're cutting away the Bible says you and I are supposed to come out from among that kind of stuff that kind of activity be ye holy the Bible says as what I am holy Folk, I'm telling you you have walls You'll feel like you've hit a wall. But if you'll be what God has called you to be, if you'll say what God has told you to say, if you'll live like God told you to live, you will get through the wall. You will get through that wall. That's the type of faith that I'm talking about, that I I can just trust what God says. Look at your neighbor and say, please trust what God has told you to do. So at that time, Go back to the script. At that time, the Lord said to Joshua, make flint knives for yourselves and circumcise the sons of Israel again the second time. Another generation, second generation. So Joshua made flint knives for himself and circumcised the sons of Israel at the heel of the foreskin. And this is the reason why Joshua circumcised them. 
All the people who came out of Egypt who were males, all the men of war had died in the wilderness on the way after they had come out of Egypt. For all the people who came out had been circumcised, but all the people born in the wilderness on the way as they came out of Egypt had not been circumcised. But the children of Israel walked 40 years in the wilderness till all the people who were men of war who came out of Egypt were consumed because they did not obey the voice of the Lord. Why were they consumed? Because they did not obey. If there's something consuming you, I would ask you to go back and check your last, the last thing that you know that God told you to do and whether you obeyed it or whether you walked away from it. Because they got consumed. Look, Caleb is just as old as all of the people who were coming out of Egypt. Joshua is just as old as all the people who came out of Egypt. What's the difference between these two? You remember the 12 spies? Remember them going in? And the Bible said, but God told them, that's your land. And they went in, they looked, and they said, oh yeah, it's a beautiful land. It's flowing with milk and honey. They said, the, 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 the fruit is, <laughs> I mean, it's incredible. The pomegranates, the, uh, all of the various things that will feed us. But you remember what they did? They minimized themselves. Tell your neighbor, you're a great person of valor. Do you realize that sometimes when you tell people that they're great, they will still tell you, well, I'm not. And that's what they did. They told themselves that they were not what God said that they were. God says you're the head, not the tail. God says you're above, not beneath. God says you're more than a conqueror. God said, God said, not what you think, not what others say, but what God said. You remember what they said when they went in? They said, we are like grasshoppers in the sight of the people that are in there. Was that true? Only because they convinced themselves it was true. They hit a wall. They hit a wall. Some of you, you've been praying and saying, well, I'm not seeing what I'm praying for, Pastor. You've hit a wall. I'm, I'm, I'm going to just simply say to you, keep praying. I'm, I'm saying to you, if you want to understand where Pastor is coming from about you needed to have been checking your life for the last 40 days, the days after Easter, those 40 days, those 40 days, so that you don't have 40 years like these people that I'm, I'm talking about right now. Some of you have been in your, your, your stress, been in your mess, been in your trouble, been in your struggle for far too long. And God said, you hit a wall and you stop. You didn't sing the praises. You didn't go to prayer. You didn't go to Bible study. You didn't, you didn't do the things that could strengthen you. You got offended by somebody. How many of you ever been offended? You better all raise your hand because I know you have. Otherwise, I'm going to have to cast out these old lying spirits that's in you. You all been offended. But in the offense, did that offense stop you from doing what God called you to do? There are people who stopped singing, though they were ordained to sing, because they got mad with the choir director. There are people who stopped going to church, though they were called to the church, because they got mad with the pastor. 
And look, folks, I'm not saying the pastor was perfect or the praise and worship leader was perfect. They probably did something that was out of order. But it doesn't mean that you get out of order because they got out of order. Who orders your steps? Who sets your conversation to right? Who does not change? And there is no shadow of changing in him. Oh, she's just trying to tell you, people change. And I, and, and I, I preach and teach because I, I want them to change for the better. But the truth of the matter is, some change for the worse. Instead of getting better, they get badder. And say, Lord, this is really bad. Remember Moses? Moses says, what? Lord, this is, these people are really getting bad. Couldn't you have chosen another leader to take these people out, <laughs> out of Egypt? He could have. But he chose you. Lord, can you choose somebody else to sing in the choir? He could have. You know, look, God can give somebody with a froggy voice like me a voice to sing. He said, man, I didn't even know pastor could sing like that. Pastor didn't know he could sing like that. That was God. I didn't know I could teach like that. No, that was God who put the, uh, the ability to teach in you. You cannot get the glory. Who, go, who deserves all the glory? That was great, Whitney. Because he deserves all of the glory. But when you hit a wall, I hit a wall. I hit a wall when our daughter passed. Her name is Charity. I hit a wall. I, I, I was kind of like Hannah. You know, Pat and I hadn't had children. We've been married for a time. We've been married over 40 years now. And we hadn't had children. It had been a, at least a decade had passed. And I married and we hadn't had children. And I knew what to do. <laughs> but we didn't have children. And I was like... And there's a lady who comes up to us and says, oh, she is with child. Oh, please, not another one now. She's with child. And, they sh and this lady had the audacity to go to another cell. They gave a baby shower to Miss Patty and I. I went to a baby shower. She wasn't even pregnant at the time. Everything was in pink. Pretty, too. And lo and behold, she had her from God. Miss Pat would be with child. We would give birth. I can remember, I see Valerie back there. We were over at Malcolm Grove Hospital. We were in the military, Air Force. We were over at Malcolm Grove. I can remember getting up on the beltway off of exit 20, and I'm saying to Pat, you know, they teach you all this little stuff in Lamar's class, and I'm just saying, breeze. <laughs> and she says, shut up and drive me. <laughs> okay, I shut up. I can remember the doctor says, grab a hold. And charity is coming into the earth. I can remember the doctor giving me the scissors, cut the cords. And she's looking at me. And I'm making promises to her. Folk, on the very, within the first 10 seconds that charity was born, I said, baby, you're going to get a brand new red BMW, whatever kind you want. She was my baby girl. I like classical music. I play it every now and then. And uh, when she was in the womb, I would play this one piece of classical music. And Pat would say, she stopped kicking. And in a few days that she was with us, which is a total of 10, whenever she would cry, 
I would play that music or I would talk to her and she'd just look at me and stop. But folks, she died. I'd just been to church. We had just some of our closest friends were in town. They had flown up from Florida to be with us to see charity, this long-awaited child. I come back from church. I cooked one of my best meals and some of the best macaroni and cheese that I'd ever cooked. We ate a great meal. And as Pat would say to me, she says, Charity, she's real fretful right now. You take her. And this was the first time that there was no quietness in her. She was just still crying. I lived less than five minutes in drive time from the hospital. And so I said, we need to call 911. And I called 911. Have you ever had to call 911 and you feel like a second is like a day? A minute is like a year? And we took her. I, I, as a matter of fact, I, I couldn't wait for the response team to get there. I said to my sister-in-law, Rose, I said, Rose, drive me to the hospital. I've got to get my child to the hospital. I've got to get to the emergency room. And Rose drove. And we got there. I, I thank God for a church, a church who loves you. Because I, I looked up and there probably was 20 or more members from the church that was in their waiting room. I'm sure they wanted to say, all y'all people got to go. But they were praying. But Charity went home to be with the Lord. And this was in August. 1987 and so after she transitioned I know to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord and folks you don't have to say all these little things to people when people die Amen. and please don't tell them that God needed another flower in his garden it's like that is the stupidest thing that could ever be said to somebody Amen. now you equate the child to a flower and God plucked the child away from him and he took him to heaven ah in fact, I was, I, I think I got angry, and I was pretty much like, get out, get out, get out. This was my own sister's at that point. It's like, get out. I hit a wall. I mean, you know that God can get you through a wall. And it's okay to be at a place where you say, God, are you the one, or should I be looking for another? Faith, I'm going to put you on the spot. Is that all right? Come stand with me. You were five years old, I think, Faith, at that time. I love this young girl. She's married. She got two children. Got a great husband, Prince George's County police officer. But she was five years old, and she was at the funeral. And she came. Away, hey, he was just like that. That's what she was saying, Mommy, Mommy, Mommy. And she tore away and came and sat in my lap that day. And I don't know if you, you wouldn't remember because you were five years old, Faith. But she said, Pastor, I'm your little girl. And she's been that way ever since. This is why when we talk to people, we say some people don't value relationships. They dispose of a relationship. They don't, they'll have a little, yeah, go back because Ezekiel is trying to get you. <laughs> Her son's name is Ezekiel. That's the little one. Amen. 
But she just, and nobody told her to do that. Nobody told her to say that. But at five years old, God was helping me to see, I'm going to get you through this barrier. I'm going to get you through this wall, because I was at a wall. Miss Pat was hurt, and I couldn't help her. I really couldn't. I'll just tell you now, I couldn't help her. Because it was like we both had been kicked out of the car, and I was in one ditch, and she was in another ditch, and she was crying. I heard her crying. I was crying. I think she heard me crying. But I was basically saying, I'm too hurt to help anybody right now. Anybody know what I'm talking about this morning? I'm too hurt to help anybody right now. I hurt. I'm in pain. I'm in agony. But God, the God we serve, knows your pain, knows your anguish, knows your disappointment, and he will pull you through if you don't have faith in him. John the Baptist said, are you the one or should I have to look for another? No, he is the one. He is the author, the finisher of our faith. So when you hit a wall, you can't stop praying. You ought to pray without ceasing. You actually should pray even more. And if it's tough for you to pray, you need to call someone that will come and literally hold your hand and pray with you. Don't get mad with them because you say, well, nobody's showing up. Call them up. And I guarantee if you call them up, they will show up. Because some people don't know how to act. They don't know how to react. There are some people who say, it's too many people. Can you keep them from coming? There are some people who say, there's not enough people. But you need to just simply call and validate. And I guarantee God will show the person to call. And I guarantee they'll show up every day and pray with you. Because God will help you. What is God telling Joshua? Get these young boys circumcised because they're going with you. And there's something that I want you, them to do or something that I want you to do. And now I'm over in Joshua 6. Here's what he tells them to do. He said, here's the plan. Oh, yeah, take notes. Big plan here coming up. He said, I want you to just walk around the wall six days. I want you to get all the people that blow the horn to get out there and just blow the horn. But you, everybody say, shh. I want you to say a thing. I don't want you to say a thing. Do you know that's a miracle in itself to get people to walk around six days and not say a thing? To get church members not to get into murmuring and complaining and gossiping and all that. See, some of us don't want to shut our ears to all of that stuff. But you've got to shut your ears to that. The preparation requires you to get in a place with God where the voice that you are hearing is the voice of God and the voice of the stranger. The Bible says then you won't be following because if you follow the voice of the stranger, you are going to be going away from the presence of God, going away from the blessing. You are going to be up into a greater wall. And God is saying, I'm going to show you how to go through the wall. I'm going to show you that I can bring that wall down. But I need you to obey. And some of these things that the Lord gives us to do, they seem too simple. They say, look, believe with your heart and confess with your mouth and you shall be saved. Oh, that is way too simple, isn't it? Do you know what kind of sin, what sinner I was? Do you know what I did? Do you know what? And God said, I'll remember none of that. That's got nothing to do with it. 
But I, I, like Paul, you remember Paul said, I was the chief sinner. God said, I don't care if you were the chief or the queen. If you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart, you shall be saved. So he's saying to them, the wall is going to come down. If you'll march around it six days, just playing the horn, nobody speaking. Just listening to what your leader is asking you to do. And he says, now on the seventh day now, I want you to go around that wall seven times. Uh, and on the seventh time, after you complete circling that wall, I want you to just shout. Now, they don't know this. I, I'm going to tell you, they only know day by day. There are times for me, I know as a pastor, God just said, if you try to tell them everything I just told you, they'll all leave. Just tell them day by day what I told you. And when you get to that day, they'll know what I told you ahead of time. How many of you know what it means to be a leader? Leaders see things before other people actually ever get to see them. Just imagine yourself all in a line. Just imagine this is the hill. And you step up on the hill. Just imagine 20 people behind me now. What can they see? What's my perspective? Do you understand what I'm trying to say? I'm not saying I'm greater than anybody, but because by virtue of leadership, how many of you are, are, are supervisors, and sometimes you go into meetings and they've shared things with you that the people that you supervise don't have an idea of what's coming down. Even sometimes when they're getting ready to close, I, I remember when the store up here, uh, the grocery store closed, um, there were people who knew, and, and the rest of the people just, they were going, and store is going to be closing in three weeks. And people were working and they got and it's like wow. But see God doesn't do us like that. God doesn't pull a surprise on us that will hurt us. God just simply realizes that he needs you to keep making faith steps. And I want you to get this in your, your, your spiritual knower. A faith step doesn't mean a faith run. You're just taking this step by step. Because if you, if you knew all that God had for many of us would quit. So they, they knew enough to take faith steps. And so the faith step was today, Monday, we're going to just walk around the building. They're just going to, see, the horns are about worship. Sometimes there's a time for just quiet worship. I know some of you like all kind of music, but there are some times where you need a quiet worship. You need to dial it back. And get to a place where your spirit can just sorry. So a lot of songs that are so-called Christian don't even mention Jesus. Amen. A lot of the songs that are rap songs, come on, guys, they don't even bring Jesus into the picture. And here's the other thing: it's like speaking in tongues. Paul says, "I speak in tongues more than you all." He says, but if all of y'all are doing this and an unchurched and an unbeliever come in, it is not going to be beneficial for them right now. They will actually think you're crazy at that moment in time. He's not saying that speaking in tongues is not of God. He's just simply saying you got to know when God wants you to do that. And when you have unbelievers in your midst, you can't be banging out rap. You got to have something that's just soft, something that's just going to talk about Jesus. And a lot of spirit. See, I, do you realize that marching around Jericho, people are watching them? People are listening 
to what they can listen to, and they're not listening to their voice. They're just listening to worship. And they see this. And probably the first day one, they said, that looks pretty silly. I'm sure they created a lot of dust. And the day two, they said, they back. Look, come hey, yo, 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 they back, man, look, look. And people that march around the city the other day, they're back. Look. And guess what? It's the third day. Somebody say consistency. <laughs> say it again. Consistency. You, you, if you, you, you're going to see faith that, that, that will help you to get to what looks like the impossible, you're going to have to be consistent with what God told you to do. Amen. Amen. Lord, I didn't see anything happen on Monday. Something was happening. Even when I don't. You know the song? Even when I don't feel it. You're working. Even when I don't see it, you're working. God is working. He was working at the moment that the angel told Joshua, this is the plan of God. He was working at the moment that they stepped out of the camp and began to step in the direction of Jericho. God's working. Some of you have been saying, my husband ain't changed yet. God's working. My child, pastor, has not changed yet. God's working. It's just whether you will continue to do the work of the ministry. What is he preparing you for? What is he circumcising you for? What is he separating you for? And so you know what happened. They march around the city six days. Nobody has said a word. They come back on the seventh day, and probably the people up there are saying, what are they doing? Until all of a sudden, on the seventh day, on the seventh time of circling that wall, Joshua says to the people, shout. This is why I say this to this church, and I hope you'll get it today through the book of Joshua. Every church ought to have a distinct shout to it. Because every church understands that their shout, even just their shout, can bring walls down. Amen. Look, do you remember what there was a time in the Bible where the people were shouting and the enemy said, there must be a king among them. It caused the enemy to realize, I don't want to go and attack them. Because there must be. A See, when you have a shout in you, the enemy knows that there is a king among you. When you have a shout in you, the enemy knows whatever is in your path is about to come down. Anybody got a shout in here this morning? This house, God is saying, must develop a consistent shout, a consistent prayer, a consistent I'm there when God calls me. Did you get that? What did you say to him just now, God? You have to have a consistent prayer. Now, the Bible says a man ought to what? Always pray. You have to have a consistency in your life. And whenever God calls and says, I need the body, the community to do this, there has to be a consistent, I'm there. You don't have to come looking for me. See, he said, circumcise these. Folks, I don't, I don't know if you understand. This is leading up to next Sunday. 
We're going to have a Pentecost holy time. If you'll pray this week, I mean, I'm not asking you to come here physically and pray. I'm asking you to pray, though. For some of you, yes, it's going to be getting up again with leave at 5 a.m. in the morning and just praying. But you're going to have to open your mouth. You can't just, just be pastor opening his mouth, Miss Pat opening her mouth, Dr. Parsons opening her mouth. You got to pray. Come on, look at your neighbor and say, you got to pray. You got to open your mouth and you got to pray this week. So, yes, get in there with the, the community prayer, but there's got to be some privacy that you pray to. And I'm telling you, if you pray this week like he told those children when they went up to the upper room after those 40 days and over those next 10 days, they prayed and they got to what was called the Feast of the Harvest or what we now call Pentecost, they had a harvest. How many of you know the Bible says the harvest is plentiful? See, for years and years, they're just celebrating the Feast of the Harvest, Feast of the Harvest, Feast of the Harvest. Every year, 50 days after the, the Passover, they would celebrate the Feast of the Harvest. And God says, you're going to have a different kind of harvest this year, though. Everybody say, the harvest is plentiful. Harvest. Say it again, the harvest is plentiful. But what is the problem when God tells us the harvest is plentiful? He says, then, laborers, there are few. There are few of them who want to pray. There are few of them who want to really get into the Bible and study anymore. There are few of them who even want to return to church. Folks, I've even heard pastors talking about, I don't think I ever opened the church back up. I like this Zoom. Zoom is good. All of these social platforms, they're good. How many of you know, how many of you miss getting hugs? I do. How many of you miss the human interaction? Do you realize they're saying that children are going through traumatic stress because they, 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 they've just been so disrupted. They were so used to playing with the other kids and interacting and that they are going through stress. And they see all kind of other things happening in the family. Mama then lost a job. Daddy then lost a job. Uh, come on. It was just stressful seeing people put all this gas in their trunk in plastic bags. I mean, I just, like, huh? Plastic? Plastic. I mean, this one woman has a grocery bag and she puts gas in it. And then she's like, oh, it's going to leak. She go back and get another one out the trunk and double it up. Tie it in a knot. Put it in the trunk. Folks, the whole community is affected because a man went with a, you all have seen these big plastic things that they put water in to irrigate. And, and this guy, and this is in Landover, Maryland too. And he, he I mean, he puts 100 gallons in there. And it sprung a leak. So 100 gallons is pouring out in the community now. Hoarding. Say, my God shall supply all my need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Folks, don't get in no panic. There's going to be plenty of gas. Don't be running there when you know you were going there getting $10 and now you're getting $100. Go on and get your $10 worth and just move on. <laughs> Stay in your normal pattern. Don't get into this panic. One guy, all these gallons of gas in his big Hummer. His Hummer was humming on fire. Static. Look, do, do you realize that your phone creates static? 
some of you don't realize that when you're at the gas pump and you're trying to be on your cell phone, you need to stop it. That static will cause a spark that comes from your phone. I don't want to preach a crispy critter funeral. Because that's what you're going to be. Pastor, you're trying to be cute. I'm not trying to be cute. I'm just trying to simply say to you, some of this stuff is foolishness, and God wants you to step back and realize, my God, I don't care what the wall, the world says it's a wall. The world says that you're going to be cut off. The world says you're going to have lack or slack. That's a fear. That's a fear. That's a fear of lack. And if you truly know that your God is going to supply all of your need, I don't care if God has to pull money out the mouth of a fish. God will provide what he needs. I don't care if God has to, to, to create your gasoline out of something else. God can do that, and he will do that. And he's telling Joshua, I want to show you something, but I need to show the second generation something too. Yes. Amen. This is why you got to get your children back in church. You got why you know the view who have never really started a, 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 a sense of having your children be indoctrinated to the things of God. And I'm not talking about just for the sake of assimilation. I'm talking about for, for the sake of consecration and who know God. Your sons need to know God. Your daughters need to know God. This generation needs to know God and to know that whatever the walls are, whatever the barriers are, our God. And it comes in unconventional ways. I, you, you, when you look at the book of Joshua, I know people think, you know, are you guys just sensationalizing this? We're not sensationalizing this. I wanted to put a picture up of a 1978 Cadillac. Anybody? I know some of you weren't even born in 1978, but a 1978 Cadillac is huge. And the model is a Fleetwood. I wish your brother was here. He's got a Fleetwood. That big car. Matter of fact, we used to call them funeral home cars. <laughs> big Cadillac. Let me end my message by saying this. You can do things that seem impossible if you only believe. In 1978, we're living in the state of Florida. We're living, or we're in the military, at a base called Patrick Air Force Base, Cocoa Beach. You can look out and see the Atlantic Ocean, come out in the afternoon and brush the salt off your car. In 1978, there's a grandmother who lives in the city of Melbourne, Florida, adjacent or the next town over to Cocoa Beach. And her daughter and her granddaughter are visiting with her. It's early in the morning. We would say probably somewhere around 9 a.m. in the morning. They've just finished breakfast. They're going out of her kitchen into the garage It's actually it's the grandmother visiting the daughter and the granddaughter. And they have, she pushed, pulled her car into the garage, 
the husband or, or the son-in-law, he's at work, and so she drives her car into the garage, and so uh, she's coming out of the kitchen now. She's getting into her big Fleetwood, 1978 Cadillac Fleetwood. Google it if you don't know what that looks like. It's huge. Her little granddaughter has scooted out of the house. You know how when you open the door, sometimes your kids are just, they take a dash. And she took a dash, and in the garage was her little tricycle. And she gets on the tricycle. Mom is still talking to her daughter, and she cranks up this big 1978 Fleetwood Cadillac. She puts it in reverse. And all of a sudden, there's this, you know, kind of speed bump like effect. And she has ran over her granddaughter on that little three-wheel tricycle. Mom is screaming. The child is screaming. Grandmother is screaming. They run to the back of the car. She quickly puts it back in the park, and she runs back to the back of the car. The child is trapped up under the wheel. Grandmother picks up a 1978 Cadillac Fleetwood. Folks, I'm not talking about get back in and pull forward. I'm saying pick up, pull out, grandchild. Somebody said impossible. Nothing is impossible with God. That's the kind of, she said, was it because she'd been in the gym? Not. Was it because she, she was eating her Cheerios that morning? Not. This is because she knew her God. Now, I'm not saying go home and try this out. But I'm saying whatever your wall is, God will give you the strength to get through. Please read Joshua 6. That's where I was going to preach from this morning, but I don't think I ever got out of Joshua 5. But you're going to see that the walls come down. But it's in obedience. The preparation is this week for us. This day and throughout this week, pray without ceasing. Pray in the morning. Pray in the noonday. Pray when the sun is going down. Pray publicly. Pray privately. But pray. Amen. And when you come back, what's going to be our attire next week? Because we're the bride of Christ. Yep, I'm going to pull out a white suit. Maybe cream. <laughs> but I want you, men, women, children, and let's adorn ourselves and say, God, we're coming without spot, without blemish. We're coming prayed up. We're coming to the upper room, and we believe that you will pour out your spirit upon our son and our daughter. We believe that you will show us this latter rain. You know, the Bible says that will be a former rain and a latter rain. I believe we're living in the era of the latter rain being poured out. Folks, I know some of you, because you've hit a wall, you need this fresh wind. You need this fresh fire. Let me tell you, I believe that God is ready and postured for people who will obey. Say, well, man, that's a long time. Folks, it's six days of just praying. 
without ceasing. It's on the seventh day that we're going to let out a shout. Fire of God. Stand with me to your feet if you would. Father, we thank you. I thank you for helping us to see, Father God, that uh, you are tearing down whatever our Jericho walls are. You're giving us a faith to believe the impossible and that nothing is too hard for God. And this morning, Father, we thank you for the time that we spent here talking about your word. But, Father, not just so that we could hear it, but so that we could go now and do it. And so what are we going to do? We're going to pray. We're going to get up in the morning and pray. We're going to get through the course of our day and find time to just pray. To just pray. I'm not asking you to fast. I'm asking you to pray. Because that time in the upper room wasn't fasting. They were praying. They were going from house to house. The Bible says they were breaking bread. Look. Thanks again for joining us today. Here at Rainbow Family, our mission is to love God, love people, and change the world. If you would like to partner with us in any way, we encourage you to visit our website at rainbowfamilychristian.org.